Yeah, get it, Justin. There's a little preview of what we're about to get into with the great Justin Derrico. He's playing for you today. He's plugged in. He's got a three-headed absolute dream rig fired up and ready to rock out on for you here on episode 115 of No Guitar Is Safe, the guitar show where guitar heroes plug in. Today's episode is brought to you by Guitar Player Magazine and GuitarPlayer.com. Guitar Player, play better, sound better. Yeah, so you heard Justin Derrico a moment ago, and we're going to hear a lot more of him playing for you. But one cool thing about Justin, I mean, that was him rocking out on fire-breathing electric rig. But the other cool thing is he is so versatile. I mean, here he is at Wembley Arena in England playing with his boss of 14 years. Well, more like his good friend of 14 years, the superstar singer Pink. Yes, playing for Pink is a total dream gig, but Justin Derrico also has another dream gig. He's also the lead guitarist on one of the most popular shows of recent years, The Voice on NBC. He's the lead guitar player in the live band. So we're about to get to it. He, well, I'll be playing my Fender Parallel Universe Telecaster here into a Dr. Z EMS amp. I'm recording straight into Pro Tools, and he will be at his studio going straight into Pro Tools, playing that dream rig. But before I transport you over to Justin's studio, if you will, I would like to transport you into a very powerful moment from the other night, early evening. That sort of puts this whole show into context of this week. I was at the studio getting ready to put this thing together for you, this interview with Justin, the proverbial guitar copter sitting there in the hangar. And as I began opening these files, there was... As is often the case in L.A., a sound that you hear in the skies above central L.A. But this sound has been an absolute constant in the last week and a half. I'm talking about other copters, hovering copters, cameras locked on various scenes, news copters, police choppers. And at this particular hour, I began to realize they were drifting closer and closer. Within moments, I heard chanting, I heard car horns coming down my very street Soon, it was uh, one of the countless huge roving protests, a Black Lives Matter protest here in LA. Like most of the protests, peaceful, passing right by No Guitar Is Safe World Headquarters. In fact, I'd say it took a half hour for them all to pass peacefully, powerfully. I came out, I filmed more than 10 minutes of it. You're hearing some of that now, obviously. Legions of people, young, old, black, white, Latino, on foot, on bikes, with hundreds of cars thrown in, with people on cars, on roofs, on hoods, on skateboards getting towed, unafraid, impassioned people demanding to be heard and being heard. It was an unforgettable moment. You hearing all these cars? I mean, this moment was as American as apple pie. So what were they protesting? What are they protesting? They are protesting something that anyone with a heart would protest. I mean, think of it in terms of, think of it in guitar terms. Think of it, think of it in terms of like Stairway to Heaven with the intro, the verse, the 12 string section, the, the whole, and it makes me wonder section, the drum entrance, the big guitar solo, man, that song totals over eight minutes. Now, just imagine someone has pinned you on the ground in the middle of the street, the knee on your neck for longer than Stairway to Heaven, stealing your breath, seemingly for the color of your skin, and stealing ultimately 
your pulse. I mean, that's colossally fucked up. I only put Stairway into this to put that horrifying span of time into terms that every guitarist can understand. But what are protests? I mean, I play in Jefferson Starship, and I played with founder Paul Kantner for the last three and a half years of his life, and if you know anything about him, back in Jefferson Airplane, yeah. Songs like Volunteers, the soundtrack of Vietnam War protests, etc. And apparently the first time Americans heard an F-bomb on TV was when the airplane were playing live on the Dick Cavett Show with the protest song of inclusion. We can be together with that line up against the wall, mother bleepers. But right now, I look to someone else's words about what protests are. I look to Brian Stevenson, the amazing attorney and founder of the Equal Justice Initiative, EJI.org. And he said recently in an interview that in many ways, protests are a reaction of frustration and anger to the unwillingness of elected officials to engage in the kind of reforms that need to happen. And he talks about police department reform and reminds us that as he sees it, there has been a warrior mentality amongst certain police training in release in recent years, rather than a guardian mentality. He says it is possible to create a police department where people think of themselves as guardians and reminds us that officer's commitment, you know, is to protect and serve even the people who are being arrested. The best police officers will tell you that their job is to make sure that the person who may have just committed a crime is safely encountered. Now, of course, none of this is to dismiss the great police officers out there who don't and would not ever engage in racist treatment of arrestees or, you know, police brutality. But right now, it's about, it's about George Floyd. It's about Breonna Taylor, Eric Garner, and others. You remember, Eric Garner was on the ground and apparently said, I can't breathe 11 times before he died. That's the wrong 11, no matter what criminal record he may have had. And most of his stuff was petty crimes, apparently. That is the wrong 11. 11! That is reserved for us guitar players in our optimum volume setting, right? They all deserved the simple right to breathe and the right not to be killed on the street in front of their community or in their homes during police events. I mean, Brianna Taylor would have been 27 years old yesterday. She's an EMT. She was shot eight times in the hallway of her apartment. I mean, what can you do to bring about police reform and fight the greater, huger mountain of systemic racism? I mean, the goal of this show is always to trace the evolution of great guitar players and put you in a room with them with guitars plugged in. But this podcast, man, No Guitar is Safe, five years in running, 115 episodes strong. So in its own little way, we're tracing a little bit of history. And sometimes we really got to put not only this episode in context, but it's also far more important that we don't leave atrocities that can tear us apart or maybe in some ways bring us together for change unaddressed. So don't be afraid in some way to protest. Thank you for letting me take you into the middle of a true LA moment here. There's so much killer guitar playing coming from Justin. Speaking of killer guitar players, just don't take it from me. Take it from the great Steve Morse, one of my biggest heroes. As he said on episode 21 from about 2016, I think at the end of that episode, I remember him saying something like, Jude, before we close, I want to add one thing. And of course, I'm putting in my own words here, but I think what Steve said was, man, if you have any kind of platform at all, people, whether you're playing arenas or that six inch stage down at the pub, you do have influence and you can use it to improve planet Earth. 
Like if you're a teacher, whatever you are, whatever you do, whatever you want to offer or whatever you want to change, put your heart in it and be loud like your guitar. But the beauty of music is that nothing brings people together like music, and in our case, guitar. I'm Jude Gold. This is episode 115 of No Guitar is Safe, the guitar show where guitar heroes plug in. Sounds so good. Can I hear a little more of that? You want you want it louder? No, no. I'm whatever's good for you is fine. I just that lick that you played. I mean, the greatest key of all i mean why why i can't i can't i cannot help myself <laughs> <laughs> i know you're just crushing it you're one of these players that just gets better and better every time i hear you folks we are uh, talking with justin derrico today hello hello <laughs> and of course you've been the longtime lead guitar player for pink yes you've also been on the voice for many years on nbc house guitarist lead guitarist yep. for the voice I think you've worked with uh, Beyonce, maybe, and Robin Thicke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, other stars along the way. I'm really glad to have you on the show. First of all, it's just so blazing what you're doing with that pentatonic scale. Ow! I mean, I mean, you know, I, I, a lot of the, the stuff I do, it's either pentatonic or um, or major scale. <laughs> it's all it's all pretty yeah. simple stuff, you know. Justin Derrico in the house. Hot intro today, folks. We're just getting right into it. You have a great album that you released a while back called Boldly Going Nowhere. Yes. <laughs> and so we'll get into that. Here are some of those tracks. Awesome. And of course, you have this awesome masterclass available on jtcguitar.com, aka Jam Track Central. And um, there's some insane licks that you're teaching on there, like this one that you just sent me via text with backing tracks last night.
A lot, a lot of that stuff, uh, like I, I, I created it and then I could never play it again. <laughs> well, how are we supposed to play it if you can't even play it? Oh, again? I don't know, man. You know, that's, that's up to you guys. <laughs> so the thing that fascinates me about you is you have lived an incredible rock star dream. Now, we all know about the dream of, there's two kind of guitar player dreams. One is like, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm the Beatles. We're going to go. We're going to start our band and we're going to become huge, a gang of four or whatever, or we're going to move to LA as you did in your case. And yep, we're going right. to bring our band and we're going to become the next Guns N' Roses or something. Yeah. <laughs> but the other dream that many guitar players have that few realize is to become a super right hand lead guitar ace on call that joins a huge artist and becomes her right hand man, as you have yeah. with Pink. And also has done tons of TV. Like you managed to break in and and grab all this work. And I'd love to hear how you did it. First, though, tell us what that guitar is you're holding. I got I got to know. This is a, it's a it's a Gibson Les Paul. It's a the Ronnie Montrose signature model, I guess, or um, I guess it's like a reissue. It's a '58 reissue, but it's the the I don't know what they call the line, but it's I've got two of them actually, and. They're really killer guitars, man. They play great. They're nice and bright for Les Paul. And they're really, the, between the two of them, they're actually like really consistent, you know? So like on the voice, you know, a lot of times we're changing keys and all that stuff. And then like, you know, they want to go to like E flat or whatever, you know? So so it's like, I, I, you know, you start missing those open strings. So I'll go to that guitar for, you know, if this is my sound, I'll go to that. And it's pretty consistent, you know, because sometimes... Yeah. In the past, I would grab another guitar that was half step down, and it just sounded so different, and it was just kind of a bummer, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, this That's guitar's cool. killer, man. I love it. And then what are you plugging through today? What is this fire-breathing rig we hear? Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a uh, good Lord, it's a monstrosity of a rig. It's it's um, it's my main rig that I use for everything. It's I've got a, a rack over here with, you know, a bunch of pedals, you know, the, the boss pedals and... Uh, you know, what's the uh, Strymon reverb and, you know, uh, Vertex stuff. But I've, I'm playing through the fire breathing stuff you heard was was my Bogner Shiva and um, on the just on the dirty channel with the with the boost on and some delay. Um, and then I've got a Friedman brown eye and I've got a Marshall JMP 50. Amazing. Are you able to just switch all of those? Because I know that you have the cabinet in the other room and you're just able to switch right where you're sitting. It's, I guess you're in your home yeah. studio here. Yeah. So yeah. this is my my normal setup. And I've got, it's it's all like, uh, it's all MIDI stuff. So I've got the Voodoo Lab, uh, what do you call it? The ground control. And I've got an Ampeat switcher. So it allows me to program it. I could switch between, I've got options to switch between four heads and four different cabs. But it's only, I think I could do two cabs at a time. Wow. And I can only, <laughs> but I can only do one head at a time on, on this particular unit. But it's, it's. It's really cool, you know. That's your stage rig that you have set up in your living room. No. Yeah. <laughs> in one of your rooms. So, the, and your cabinet is uh, behind the wall, mic'd up right now. Yeah. Because you're at home yep. in another another room in your secret guitar bunker. My, yeah. Exactly. In your guitar cave. Can I hear you switch between the couple of those heads? Are they all on? Sure. Just, like, uh, that's so yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, here's just my my. <laughs> Out of tune guitar. Hang on, let me uh, let me let me t- turn this up a little, real quick. All good. Actually, uh, like that, I think that was one of the things that got me the gig with with Pink. I was I was auditioning and um, Gibson had just sent me this guitar and it and it just 
it was a great guitar. It sounded great, but it just maybe needed a new nut or something. It just didn't stay in tune. Right. And so I, I got in there and I started. We started playing pill, just like a pill, and it was so out of tune. So I, I stopped the whole band. I was like, guys, I'm, <laughs> I'm really sorry, but like, let me just yeah. tune this thing. And I was sitting there fighting it, fighting it, fighting it, and I couldn't get in tune. I could see people were in the room getting antsy. You know, she was and. So I just looked up at her and I told her, well, well, it, it was in tune when I bought it. <laughs> and so, and so she, you know, and then right then and there, it was like, okay, I think I got the gig. <laughs> That's um, awesome. I didn't know that you could do that really. And one time I was at the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival and I saw like, it was like Wilco or Jeff Tweedy. Uh-huh. And some of those stages, there must've been like 60,000 people. And Nels Klein started off a tune, and I don't know, I don't know what song it was. Uh-huh. The lead guitar player, incredible lead guitar player, and he go, gets in like two and a half, three bars, and then he just stops. He's like, "Sorry, a little out of tune," and he, like, <laughs> he tunes in front of sixty thousand people. Like, hey, that's so cool that you can do that if you need to. <laughs> it's you know what I mean. The people are paying for it, so give them you know why not give it to them in tune, you know? But anyway, so here's the kind of I've got a little bit of a boost going on, and, and some so here's just the straight up. Uh, clean sound with this is the Friedman rad yeah I've always and um, just a little bit of, and it's the Strymon with the, with a little bit of verb uh, and I got a little bit of delay but that's on a plug-in um, and then here's the Bogner Um, and then here's my Marshall, which is set up kind of similar, a little, a little quieter. Sometimes I got a goose it over here. I've got like a little, uh, a BAE preamp. Awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, a 79, I think. Is- uh, all original. I got super lucky, and it's I love it. It's amazing. Wow. Do you uh, have you modded it or anything? Or no, it's it's all. You know what? It's like it. These amps are are, are literally like a box of chocolates. Like when you're looking <laughs> for them, like people have ripped out the transformers and this that. Right. That's the, the the main thing with these. But this one's all original, and um, the guy that sold it to me, he he had such a hard time like parting <laughs> with it, <laughs> and I totally get it because it's a great amp. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one saying goodbye. Well, that's congratulations on that score. Yeah, thank you. So you grew up in Virginia? Yeah, yeah, just outside of Charlottesville um, in Crozet, Virginia. What was your household like? How did you end up playing guitar? Well, I ended up, um, I grew up on a farm and, and like, so... What kind of farm? It was a horse farm. Oh, really? And Well, we had horses and we had cows and stuff, but eventually, like, we ended up, we had our own cows and our own horses, and then eventually we just, you know, got got sort of tired of all the work because <laughs> uh-huh. it's it's a lot of work, you know. And um, so we ended up just renting out the fields for you know farmers and stuff who had cattle, you know, nearby. And and then um, there was another like horse farm, uh, you know, at the end of the driveway, which was a mile long, which we had two neighbors. So wow. so which you know I didn't have much to do. So all, when I found the guitar, that's all I did. 
So um, were your parents musical or anything, or you just nah, how did you get into music? You're just like I want to play guitar. It's funny because I, I started hanging out with um, it was my friend Hunter. He he it was my brother's girlfriend's little brother, and we were about the same age. He was maybe a year or two older than me, but he played guitar, an awesome guitar player, and left-handed. You know, we just started hanging out, and he had a, a couple of friends he introduced me to who ended up, you know, all these guys are still my, my best friends. Awesome. We still talk every day. Like, they all played music, and I I just wanted to sort of jump in. Um, you know, it looked just, you know, it looked like fun, and, and but I didn't know how to play. So, you know, there was guitars around when I was hanging out with them, and I'd pick it up and sort of, you know... <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. try, try to do something, and they they started to show me stuff, and I, and I just I really took to it. Like I, I couldn't I couldn't put it down, and 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 I just I just fell in love with it. What was the know? first riff that you played a billion times because you loved it so much, and you oh, felt like you had God. it nailed? I feel I think it was probably. Uh, <laughs> it was yeah I think it was Green Day. That's uh, awesome. You know because. And it was either that or, Rad. but I didn't. I didn't play it like that. I played it like way shittier than that. I gotta yeah. show you this riff that I used to play with. One of this is the first one I really remember playing a million times was Sammy Hagar. I don't even know if anyone knows this riff. I mean, it's just so simple. That, it's just that was the first. That was the first riff you learned? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the first one I really remember playing a billion times. I played that for like a week straight. Uh-huh. It's just all pull-offs, right? Is that what yeah, it is? You, yeah, you're just pulling off to the open strings. And I was like, God. Is... <laughs> yeah, I didn't even. So I remember the first time when I was playing the, the uh, and it's so stupid, but like when I was playing the. I was like playing it real open like that, and my friend Hunter was like, he was like, ah, and I was like, how are you doing that? Like, I, and he was just palm muting, you know, and yeah. I, and I didn't understand that at all, you know. He so he showed me a lot of those techniques, like hammer-ons and pull-offs and slides and 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 that that kind of stuff. But like, it was so yeah. weird because like I, I didn't come from a musical family whatsoever. It was actually like I've got three brothers. My youngest brother's actually a really badass drummer killer drummer actually but my two older brothers were both athletes and i remember i i uh <laughs> i quit playing football in ninth grade because i just wanted to focus on guitar i didn't want to hurt my hands and my dad was so annoyed he he grounded me for like two weeks and so i was like awesome i'm just gonna <laughs> sit at home and fucking practice <laughs> i was like oh. thanks uh, <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> so, and I guess he's, he, I mean, how does he, how does your parents feel now? They must be just thrilled. Yeah. I mean, sadly, they're both gone. Um, what? Yeah. They, uh, I lost my mom last year and then I lost my oh. dad like quite a while ago, but. I'm so um, sorry. I like when I was asking that question, I'm like, is pa- he's, Justin's so young. He must yeah. still have I'm really sorry, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. Well, they, they, you know, they, they, they died young, but they, you know. They put a mark on life, but you know, my, my, uh, at first my, 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 my mom was always super, super supportive. And then my dad, he, at first, you know, like I said, he grounded me and, and he was really sort of like, what, you yeah. know, what are you going to do with your life? This is ridiculous. And as I started 
playing more, I think they noticed like I was I could kind of play and I was making no I was making music, not noise anymore. And then yeah. I started, um, you know, I played in a few few local bands, and I played in this one band when, when I when I got to college, and we became pretty popular in the area. Hey, wait. So when did what? How old were you when you first started messing around with a guitar, like you said, with your friends? I was like fifteen. Oh, okay. That's kind of a late yeah. start. Yeah. And then when you say college, is that when you went to Shenandoah Conservatory or something? Yeah. Yeah, so, so kind of what's that place like, and then so Shenandoah is it's an awesome music school. It's a conservatory. I don't know what it's like now, but when I was there, it was pretty much jazz and classical. You know, like basically just that's that's all they did. Kind of a small school. They Where's had like it a, located? Uh, Winchester, Virginia. It's about you know two hours north of where I grew up. Cool. Their their theory. Some of the teachers they had there were amazing, and a lot of them were from from like the military, like the Army Blues Band and the the Airmen and Note, and and you know, so they're they're pretty serious players. And um, there's this one trumpet teacher there, he taught jazz theory, and his name is Craig Frederick, and the guy was an animal of a piano player, but this tr- trumpet playing was was ridiculous. And I actually took a lot of lessons from him, but he taught me a lot about theory. And I was I was only there for like three semesters, I think, something like that. Yeah. It's kind of a short little little run there, but I learned a lot of theory there. And the guitar teacher that was there, he was awesome player, like killer, killer chord melody guy. I just, uh, I had a hard time learning from him for, for whatever reason, you know, I hate to say that. I love the guy, but he's, he's a great player, but like, you know, maybe it was just everything he played was just way over my head because I was kind of a rock guy, more or less a rock guy. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, trying to play jazz and stuff, it was just, you know, it was tough. But I learned a lot there, and I, I met a, a group of guys there who I started a band with, uh, and the band, wait for it, the, the greatest name ever, Majakamo. And <laughs> <laughs> nobody could yeah. ever pronounce it. They'd always call us Magic Homo. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> I see. Um, but anyways, we, it was, the band was awesome. Uh, actually, the, the bass player that was in the band is now, he, he's the bass player for, the, for Bush, Oh, cool. Uh, Corey Britz, who I still do a lot of writing and recording and stuff with, and we still do a lot of projects, but the band was really good. Like, everybody in the band were kick-ass players, and we just, we were like a jam band, basically. But... Do you have a cool riff that you can show us from that band? Anything oh, you remember? Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is like 20-some years ago. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. I remember any of that stuff. Oh, man. Yeah, we had oh, some kind that's of That's pretty. And there was like that kind of going on. I like it. I can't remember what the, the changes were behind it, but that was this sort of static thing going on. There's some changes going on and... Like it was, it was kind of like a, a melodic pop sort of jam band, kind of very Dave Matthewsy, but yeah. Speaking um, of Charlottesville, yeah, Virginia. yeah, totally. I mean, our, our drummer, amazing drummer, um, was like a, a kind of a Carter Beaufort clone, <laughs> and so. But it was a, it was a great band. Um, but anyways, the band was was so good, and we got a lot of fans because we were just a badass band. And we had a good singer too, but we, like the band was just so much fun to watch. 
we, we, we started getting a, a pretty good following, you know, regionally. And we were, we were doing the college circuit thing. We were playing. For, I was actually making more money in that band than my first gig in L.A., my first big, real big right. gig, you know. It's kind of what led me to L.A. Is, is we all decided to move out here together. And we did, you know, kind of individually, slowly, one by one. And the whole band fell apart. And we all started, you know, sort of, we all went our yep. separate ways and stuff. How many of the of the members st- remained in an LA? Uh, just one. Just you? No, no. Uh, sorry, oh. two. Oh, two. My, okay. Myself, <laughs> my, uh, sorry. Yeah. Hey. Myself and uh, and Corey. Right. It's a yeah. It's a jungle. Welcome it to is, the jungle. Man. Yeah. So you arrive in LA. That's a little bit of a culture shock from uh, horse farms of Virginia. And <laughs> oh my God, it was like a different country. So I was I was going to Shenandoah, and you know I was a performance major, and we were gigging a lot. And it got to a point where I had most of my music credits already sort of kind of done. You know what I mean? So it got to a point where we're, we're gigging a lot. And I would, I would tell my teachers, like, hey, you know, can I get some work, homework ahead of time? Because I've got a gig tomorrow and I'm not going to be able to make it to class or yada, yada, yada. And they're like, well, if you miss two more times, then, you know, we're going to fail you, you know. And I was like, but I'm going, I'm working, I'm doing a gig, you know, and, and so that was, I, which I understand their policy and I get it. So that kind of pissed me off a little bit. So I was like, well, screw this place. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of here. So I ended up moving out to LA, you know, so we could try to do the band thing, but also to go to MI. Um, cool. MI sort of showed up on my radar because early on, like one of my favorite guitar players in the world was um, Mr. Paul Gilbert. Yeah. You know, and, and so I would watch the terrifying guitar trip stuff, and that's how I learned how to. You know, that's how I learned how, yeah. to, how, to, how to alternate pick. What was that pattern? Was that a specific pattern that you associate with Paul Gilbert? Or? Well, I mean, it's just sort of running up a major scale, you know, like three note per string stuff. Paul would do that. Uh, what would he do? Uh, oh. Something like that, you know. He'd always do that. Whoops. Uh, but you know, but like, what's that? Oh, can you play that one real slow one time or something? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I always do those. I don't know. I can't remember if he did them as like thirty-second notes or what. But I, yeah, it's like a pentatonic. Always, you're at the fifth position, A minor pentatonic. That's right, and I'm doing, um, yeah, basically doing, uh, you know, flat three, four, flat five to five. Yeah. You know, and he did it. <laughs> so, so good, man. That was that was one of my favorite. That was like that was like an exercise he taught. It, it, I can't do it slow. Anyways, that was a sequence. But he, I, I that's how I learned how to alternate pick was watching those 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 yeah. terrifying guitar trip videos. And he mentioned GIT, and so like which of course you know, is MI for anyone who doesn't know. 
Yeah, which is MI. And, and, and so I, years later, I looked it up on the internet, which was fairly new at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I, uh, you know, and then I just, I enrolled, you know, and I moved out here and I was out here for almost, almost a year before I started going there. So my parents were like, well, you know, they, they didn't love the fact that I was going out here. I don't know, like maybe because it was too far away or whatever. So they were like, well, listen, you're going to have to, you know, pay your own way. And, you know, you're kind of on your own. So I was, I came out here and I was, you know, selling sandwiches for, you know, for almost a year at this, at this, um, like sandwich delivery place, Sunrise Kitchens. But wait, so how old were you? I think I was 20 when I moved here. Yeah. I think, I, yeah, because I think I turned right. 21. It might have been right before I turned 20. I, 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 my birthday's in May, yeah. so it might have been, I think it was like right before I turned 21. Um, when was your birthday? Uh, May 26th. Oh, I probably texted you that day and didn't, happy birthday, Justin. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate okay. it, dude. So um, you're 20 or 21 selling sandwiches, and, and how do you break the, crack down the walls and crack the code other than well, being a badass guitar player? <laughs> Well, MI was amazing, man. I, I I met so many so many great people there, and I learned so much shit about guitar there. I mean, um, Jean Marc was he was my private teacher, and um, Jean Marc Belcadi, if, if you guys yeah yeah Jean Marc Belcadi from <laughs> from Paris. Yes, yeah. I, he's how I first heard about you. I, I, when he he did a couple things for Guitar Player Magazine in like two thousand. Uh-huh for something and i was like man tell us about a young prodigy tell any names of some up-and-coming super great guitar players and this is long before you joined pink i think yeah i remember you called me yeah yeah and we, i think maybe yeah. we did a little something or yeah i can't remember if anything like i can't remember i remember we talked on the phone and i remember like holy shit it's cold <laughs> from guitar magazine you know well. like, <laughs> And I remember, I remember talking to you, and like I could hear you, like sort of just doing, you know, like sort of, oh. just sort of noodles in the, in the background. I was like, oh. "Holy shit, this guy can friggin' burn, man!" <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, you're very kind. But, but, but yeah, uh, anyways, so like I learned a ton. Of, like Jean Marc, you know, he 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 showed me like a lot of like chord melody, like. That's so great. love that you have two you can do this and you can also do the blazing bogner pentatonic stuff yeah. <laughs> well, thanks man well that's you know what that's that's 
that's the thank you to Jean-Marc. I mean, he really pushed me and still, I still, when I, when I have time, man, I still take lessons from him. Still. Yeah. Well, he's and, been on the show. He's talked about all the, all the celebs that he teaches. Celebs, yeah. Yeah. I heard that. <laughs> it's, it was awesome. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, I, he taught me so much valuable shit over the years and, and, and like all, most of my harmonic knowledge I owe, I owe to him and you know he's he's an encyclopedia for that sort of stuff and the streets um, are much safer right now because of the lockdown he's been teaching at home via zoom so he's not racing around in that Camaro <laughs> yeah, that's right I love the guy man I love no, him so much though me too he helped me find places when I first moved here he, him and his wife oh they, really they looked they looked at a couple places and uh, sent me oh, you videos. Dude, dude, this is your new pad, man. Yeah. You want some, you know. Now, um, <laughs> you just sent me last night just a little text showing me some stuff where you were doing some really cool jazz, almost like chord melody kind of. What yeah, was that? I think I was doing like some like kind of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like just, just like R&B kind of, you know, like... Five to one kind of stuff. I'm thinking B minor for that. And I'm going, you know, I'm doing like a B minor nine. And then it's like an E minor. And then diminished. Yeah. And then the next uh, uh, inversion down the strings of diminished or, you know, or, or you yeah. can think of it as F sharp seven right. to, to B minor. And then there's a, actually, this is a cool trick Jean-Marc showed me. Like, you know how you've got this B minor try it if you start on the what is that the the fourteenth fret with your pinky you got so you got root three yeah. five so like I, I I would just go up the up oh, the yeah. inversions just oh just jumping up the thirds yeah yeah just jumping up it I guess there's a fourth in there too. Yeah, I mean, it's a little, it's, yeah. there's a little gray area there, you know, it's, 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 it's sort of a little grease, you know, it's not perfect, but yeah, yeah it's mostly, I think when I get to the, these middle strings, I hit the, all three strings, so it's like thirds, and then, and then diminished yeah. to, to the E minor, um, I can't remember what I did from there. Just that kind yeah. of R and B sort, of, cool. you know, that kind of that that kind of cool stuff. Which honestly, like, is it's stuff I use all the time on the voice, you know, because we do so yeah. many different styles of music and 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 a, a ton of R and B, you know. Do you still do the voice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So I am like the most probably one of the most fortunate and luckiest dudes ever, you know, like. I've got two of, of the greatest gigs on the on the planet, uh, you know, playing with Pink. I've been with Pink for 14 years now, and, like, it's been the greatest thing ever. And, and I, I just, I love playing with her. All right, um, we, have to, we have to get to that. Now, tell us, how did you end up, you know, auditioning for Pink, and how did you sure. get to that point? All right, quick, a quick rundown of the whole thing. Like, I, I was at MI, right? I did the test. You know how it's got levels one, two, and three? Yeah. So I tested into level three. And I guess I only did like the last six months of level three. Yeah. So, and, and that was a lot of that was because I already had, you know, a lot of the theory stuff under, under my belt, my ear training and stuff and, and, and all that, you know, and I, 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 
I knew like a lot of melodic minor stuff and diminished, you know, I, yep. I knew some advanced harmony stuff. So, so I tested into the last six months of the whole thing. And I know I was only there for six months, but I learned so much shit from all the, the staff, the students. And I met a lot of yep. amazing people that, that um, sort of got me in the working. And one of those people was, was Dory Lobel. Dory, he's this amazing, amazing guitar player here in LA. And so we were hanging out one day. And we were we were just in my apartment jamming, playing guitar, or whatever. And Barry Squire, Barry's the guy that ho- holds the key to to all the gigs in the land. And <laughs> Put, um, puts together a lot of auditions for bands. Like. Yes. And so Barry called Dory, and I was sitting with Dory, and and Dory goes, "Man, you know, hey Barry, I, 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 he called him for an audition for, for the Calling, actually." And he goes, hey, man, uh, I'm sitting here with my buddy Justin Derrico, man. He, you, sh- you should uh, have him come to the audition as well. He's a great player. And, and Barry's like, yeah, sure, bring him. So I went on the audition, and I got the gig. And this was right yeah. as I was about to graduate from MI. And that was my that was the one of the biggest turning points for me because it was my first yeah. real proper signed band gig you know now what you what a bro move to oh my invite God. you when he's got this opportunity our t- opportunities like that are so hard to find in the first place oh man it's hats it's, off it's, to him oh man it, he's to this day one of my, i mean like again we talk every just about every day and he uh he's my brother man he when i when i leave the voice to go do pink he he's he comes in and takes over for, for me or our other guitar player dave barry when when Dave he he, yeah. he used to tour with Cher so when Dave would go out with Cher Dory would come in and fill for him so Dory's kind of our our pinch That's hitter crazy. is that what you yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah totally but yeah so um so I got that gig and that just opened the door completely and and at the time that was like and you're talking uh, about joining a, the calling yeah the band That's, you know they had yeah. the you have to sing it. <laughs> I'm the worst singer in the world, dude. <laughs> Been wondering. Yeah. So, um, uh, anyway, so so that that you know that was a big hit, and and we toured. I toured with them for for I think it was well over a year, and and we you know it was my first. I didn't even have a passport. I had to get a passport, and we went all through you know Europe and Brazil and Japan, and it, it was man, what what a amazing experience um, to be so young and 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 like it just it was just eye-opening and an education Incredible. so like i said that sort of opened the door for me and then i did a couple other gigs that were sort of smaller i i i, I, I toured with this girl bonnie mckee who's a she's a big songwriter um she's written a bunch of hits for Katy perry but she was kind of doing her own artist thing at the time and i, I toured with her and that led to another gig with vanessa brown which led to the robin thick gig so Robin, I think, saw, he ended up hiring that whole band. He saw uh-huh. us doing a gig, and he, he hired us. Um, stole so, her band? Yeah, he stole, <laughs> well, she was kind of like, because she's, she's a British artist, and I, we yeah. were kind of like doing promo for her over here, and she's, she's right. got a career over in England more so than she does here. But uh, we started playing with Robin, and that was a really cool experience because Robin's record was done, right, when we started. And then we started rehearsing with him and playing and stuff, and he got inspired. So he, we started writing, and and we we co-wrote uh, a handful of songs on the the evolution of Robin Thicke record. And wow! Yeah, it was pretty wild because it was sort of something like 
like we were rehearsing at his house for for almost like a, a year, and it was almost like pre-pro, and then we'd go in the studio yeah. and record and this and that. And were you so working that with was, Joe Agello too, or is that did he come later? I think he came after me. Do you remember a riff that you threw down with on one of these songs? Oh, God, I'm the worst with that stuff, man. I mean, I honestly I can't remember half of those songs. I. I'm the worst for that because... This is ironic from the guy who literally has to sometimes learn like 25 or 30 songs in one night for The Voice and play it on national TV. <laughs> and this is precisely why I have, I have I can't remember anything. Like, I learn all those songs so fast, long enough to play them on TV, and then it's gone. It's like... Well, when, I know what you mean. When I was younger, I would learn these songs. I'd have them imprinted for life, you know? But then you join a project or something and you you shoehorn 30 songs into your head, but then it's like a hard drive. Like you almost have to take that off your drive and put on the next 30 yeah, or something. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the funny thing is, is like, maybe it's age or I don't know, man, but like when I, I, and I'm not that old, but I, but I, when I do see a difference and, and like when I, the first season of the, the voice, the first two seasons, we, I memorized everything. I mean, we're talking hundreds of songs in, in like, we, it was like 120 songs in the first, two weeks we went through and I memorized everything because I wasn't that strong of a reader and we didn't have charts. We have them now, which is a frigging godsend. It is, the, it is a huge, huge, huge helpful roadmap for us. Does uh, um, our good friend, well, I don't really know him, but I'm friends with him on Facebook. Paul Murkovich provide the charts? No. So, so Paul, so Paul's, the, you know, he's the musical director and he, uh, he sort of sources that out. We've got several people. Actually, Bill LaFleur. Do you know Bill? Yeah. Actually, I don't know how, how much you're into transcribing stuff and doing charts, but I know they're they're looking for... for but well, thank, thank you. For, I mean, I used to do a lot of that. Let me think but, about that. Doing a, lot of, <laughs> doing a lot of sessions right now in my house, actually keeping me busy. Yeah. Just ha- well, I mean, it's, it's, I mean yeah. that stuff's a lot of work, man. But yeah. Bill... So Bill LaFleur and Matt Rohde and a handful of other people, they, they do the charts for us now, and they're, they're amazing, and they do a great job. So it's super helpful. But the yeah. first season, I, I, I think something happened where I learned so many songs, and then after that, man, like my, I used to have an amazing memory, and then it just slowly, just year by year, I start, I start losing it, losing it, losing it. <laughs> but the funny thing is, it's like, you know, like I... Like, like, you know, I learned that. That's beautiful. I learned that years ago, the Brent Mason shit. And it's stuck with me forever, man. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, uh, you know, a profound so effect on you. I like that one yeah. bend. You bend the fourth or something. I'm, oh. I, I'm oh, just, yeah. I'm, I'm just okay. bending. Yeah, so I'm just bending one string. Oh, I'm trying to. Yeah. But I love, man. That that song has got so many cool. I mean, just well, all open the strings. So that's just like, it's like fifth fret, it's like A to G, open E, yeah. you know, flat five, yeah. And real cascadies. 
but there's so many great licks in that that I, I, I'll use, you know. Like, I That's love awesome. I love that shit, and and so it's weird. I feel like it, at a certain point, I, I can remember a lot of songs from from when I was younger. And then at a certain point, something happened, and now I can't remember shit. Even the Pink songs I've been playing forever. Like before we go into production rehearsals, I have to refresh my memory. I have to sit down for you know yeah an afternoon or whatever, and just go through everything and, and just sort of brush up on everything. What would have been some memorable moments for you on The Voice? Anything ever? go wrong i know tv sometimes is very daunting but in a way tv sometimes aside from like live award shows uh-huh. there's also there's kind of a safety net because you can sometimes start again and they'll edit it well, out for our for our sake we can't because it's because it's a competition a competition there's also like sort of a clause for the contestants like you know like a, a disaster clause like shit can go wrong right you know right. so they have to cover their asses but we we can't do that because if we did that, we'd have to do it for everybody. And there's so many people, there's no way yeah. we could do that for one. And then when we get to the live rounds, it's it's live to the East Coast. So if something oh, wow. if if something happens, that's it. I mean, there's there's no fixing it. And uh, there was one time this uh, contestant he, he started. I can't remember what happened, man. He started. Uh-oh. What was the song? Oh, I can't remember the. Uh, I can't remember the, the the song now. Anyways, we uh, I, I was we were playing. I was playing it. He got off by like a bar or something, and then so I tried to adjust to him, and then he tried to adjust to me, <laughs> and then the band came in, and then we were chasing him, and he was chasing us through the almost the whole song, and like halfway through, we finally got our shit together, but. It was real. It was like because normally, like if the singer messes up, there's been many a times where it's happened where they they came in a bar too early or a bar late or or whatever, yeah. and we we'll just sort of adjust to, to them. Are um, you guys on ears too? Like a lot of bands, mm-hmm. or they'll have like the musical director will be able to talk to you guys. No one else can hear it. They'll be like letter A or something. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Paul, Paul, Paul will do that. Like so, so sometimes like. The song will start, and and maybe we haven't. Maybe somebody else is playing, or or maybe I'm playing, or whatever. And 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 like they 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 jump a, a bar or something. And then Paul Paul will sometimes. I mean, I can. We're all pretty good about that. We usually know the right, melody either. pretty well. But but Paul is pretty. You know, he's he's on top of it like that. He'll be like, oh, they're they're, they're he's a barhead. So get ready, stay stay on this chord for another. You know, two beats or right, change. You know, he'll he'll direct. Yeah, man. He'll direct us through that stuff. In but case sometimes. Of yeah, you know, and some, but sometimes he's like, you know, he might be turned over here at his organ or something. And he can't quite get to it in time. But for the most part, we've been we've been really lucky. Like yeah. we've we've survived all that sort of stuff. And any disaster, that was the biggest disaster. I'm trying to remember what damn that song was. That's what it was. is that song Ed Sheeran it's an Ed Sheeran song anyways wow. but there's been some pretty amazing moments on that show in general like um 
Ricky Skaggs came on, and and we got to play, and I got to trade solos with Ricky Skaggs, which was just friggin' like, I mean, like he's a huge idol of mine, and I was just literally yeah. like shitting bricks, like when he when he came to stay, I was just so nervous, and then and then we were playing, and and it got to my solo, and he goes, all right, Justin, pick one. It's <laughs> just like, holy shit, Ricky Skaggs just said, oh damn, I gotta play. <laughs> what kind of stuff were you playing there? Is it like clean? Oh, it was like you know. I can't. It was a. It was Country Boy, which is a weird song, but it was like. You know, some bluegrass. Some some burning burning bluegrass shit. That's a cool trick, actually. Like sometimes I know you you like to to. Pick out some stuff, but like um, key of G. Key of G. I'll, I like to use this chromatic approach to the chord tones. So like your your bar chord is, but I'll use an open string and go chromatically, and I'll go. Right. So it's it's like a. So I'm always targeting the downbeat, right? All right, so you get... You're getting the chord tones on the downbeats. Yeah, so you're getting the... Yeah, and you're basically... I'm just spelling out. I'm just... I'm basically playing... Right, but I'm yeah. just I'm playing all those chromatic notes into it, so it makes it kind of. You know. Sick. That sounds but, great, man. But I grew up in Virginia, so I grew up around all that shit. <laughs> it shows. <laughs> you got the yeah the legit pedigree, man. <laughs> Play those licks and break a horse. Oh uh, yeah, but you know you can only you only play them in G, G or D or A. <laughs> yeah, or or capo. Or capo. <laughs> True cheaters. Yeah. So any other huge star moments you remember playing? Which you know being up front with a yeah. star on the voice. Well, it's pretty cool, man, because like we we become the house band for the contestants and also some major artists that come on there. You know, Stevie Wonder was oh, was was uh you know that was like what what the hell in every every finale it kind of comes around and we we get to play with these some of these amazing artists that I would never in my life ever have dreamt of of playing with and it's and and it's the experience is amazing um we played with little big town which is really cool um they were so sweet um dolly partons uh rad Reba McIntyre, a lot of country folks, actually. Um, That's cool. I always tell people, I fell in love with Dolly Parton's version of Billy Joel's Traveling Prayer. And I didn't, I thought, I didn't know what it was, just from her bluegrass album. Oh, I've never heard that. Is it like a bluegrass version It's a bluegrass version, and it's just like, I have my own little version. It's like, there it goes. Still sitting. Still sounds great, dude. <laughs> Thanks. Got this great, great changes. Goes. Oh wow. 
Yeah, of course she had Jerry Douglas on, uh-huh. on Dobro yeah. and and Brian Sutton on, yeah. on and Flat who, Picking. Okay. Of course, Brian Sutton. Like I mean, <laughs> those guys. Those that was the thing. That's one of the reasons. Not one of the reasons, but uh, like playing with Ricky Skaggs was so monumental for me because I grew up listening to Bluegrass Rules, which Brian Sutton, you know. You know, all those Kentucky Thunder guys like Brian Sutton. I don't think Jerry Douglas was on that record, but but I was a huge fan of Jerry Douglas from all the Tony Rice stuff and, you know, Chris Thiele stuff and, you know, yeah, um, Allison Krauss. You know, he's he's one of my favorite musicians, you know. Yeah, he's he's got a sound. You can hear him in two seconds. Like, yeah. oh, that's Jerry. <laughs> yeah. He's got that whip going. He's got the whip yeah. on that door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so I, I was just going to say, like, so, so the funny thing is, so... I so I did the, you know, I was playing. I played with Robin and the Calling and all those guys and everything. And then one day Barry Squire called me up, and he said, "Hey man, there's this TV show called Rockstar, and they're they're auditioning they're auditioning guitar players and you know drummers and da 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 da." He's like, "Can you?" He woke me up. It was like in the morning. He's like, "Hey man, can you walk? Can you come down to MI in the you know the next half an hour and, and just audition?" I was like, "Well, what are we gonna play?" He's like, "Well, just play some you know whatever, some rock and roll, some 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 ACDC or whatever." So yeah. I was like, "I was like, you know, man, I was like, the whole TV thing kind of scared me first. I was like, I don't know, man. I was like, I don't know, if, I was like, I don't know if I could even do this, you know." And Barry was just like, "Dude, get your ass down here." And so I was like, All "Right." Fair enough. I'll, I'll come down. And so that's where I met Paul Murkovich. Uh-huh. And did he so, do the CBS Rockstar? I did not. So but did Paul do that? Yes, Paul did oh, that. Oh, okay. And Paul, we know Nate, Hoffa and did Sasha. Hoffa did that. Right. Rafael so, Moreira. So they... So what happened was they, I, they had already chosen Hoffa for, for that gig, but I know the con, the contracts for that gig were, were pretty binding, and I think he was kind of like on the fence about signing the contracts and, and, and committing to the gig for whatever reason. I, I don't know the ins and outs, but basically what happened was I went and audition. I met Paul and then Paul called me later that evening. He said, listen, the guy we've already chosen is on the fence about taking the gig. So we need somebody ready by tomorrow because um, we're going to start rehearsals tomorrow. So can you learn these 12 songs or whatever it was? And I was like, sure, no problem. So I learned the songs, and about midnight, one, two in the morning, whatever it was, they called me, and they were like, hey, you know, we're really sorry. I know you worked hard learning the songs, but, you know, he accepted the gig, and I was I was like, awesome. I totally get it. There's a little bit of relief to You're it. You're like, I totally get it. You still got to pay me. <laughs> yeah, actually, no, I didn't, they didn't pay me shit. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, as you get older, you realize you could ask them for it because they're a fucking network, and they'll usually yeah. give you. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's it's a. It's funny not about thing. the money for you. I know, back then you're just like well, pursuing I mean, your guitar. Sure, and and well, at the same time, it is though. It is it's it's my it is our our job. It's what we do. We should be paid for it. And and you know, but at that point in my career, I just was trying to take the opportunities that showed up. You know, I was just trying to to keep getting my foot in the door with whoever, and 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 it paid off because almost a year and a half later. Didn't hear from Paul. That was the first and last time I ever spoke to him. He called me up because he's Pink's musical director. And he was like, hey, man, I got this really cool artist that I think you'd be great for. You should try out for you should try out for it. And I was like, absolutely, sure. And then he told me it was Pink. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I'd love because I, I it's funny. Yeah. Years ago, 
before I even moved out to LA, I remember hearing just like a pill on the radio, and I remember going, man, Pink is, she's a cool artist. I really like her. Yeah. And I also, at the same time, remember hearing that song, Wherever wherever I Will Go, or Wherever You Will Go with The Calling, and going, oh, man, it's a good song, but I'm so sick of hearing this fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, I moved out there, and I, I, you know, I've gotten to play with both of them, but I remember I just really wanted the gig, and I really... Really, truly, really wanted it so bad, and and um, the management brought me, you know, um, a couple CDs over to to learn this, you know, and there's the learn this song, this song, and this song, and this song, whatever. And I was like, okay, fine. So like I, two thousand six or something. Yeah, I was in two thousand six, and so like the one of the management guys hand delivered came to my house and hand delivered me the CDs, and so I learned the, the stuff and. And um, then I went and auditioned. It was kind of a cattle call, kind of close, but there was probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 people, sort of the usual suspects. Were they looking uh, for just a guitar player or a whole band? Just a guitar player. Wow. So that was when I had my, my famous tuning incident. But um, but what I think really got me the gig more than anything was, so they had me play that song, Just Like a Pill. Can you show and us then, a little bit of what, what that was? Yeah. Actually, I even have, let's see. You might just have a setting for that song. Yeah, I actually got it's all programmed to my board. Let's see, let me get it right. Beautiful. And then it gets to the big. Anyways, that's a fun song to play uh, still after all so, these years. What's and, your advice for auditioning? Like when you go down there, what do, how are you, you're, you're at that point, it's 2006, you've uh, done a couple auditions. What do you know to do? I would say for the best advice I could give is learn the songs, learn the record, like verbatim. Try to get the sounds as close as possible as you can. Um, and show up with a good attitude and look cool try to look cool like dress up for the thing you know try to dress like that like you would fit into that band you know because that is that is a big thing yeah. i mean is as superficial as, as that is it's it's like that that's that's a that is a big part of it it's like you got to look the part and you got to be a badass and you got to be yeah. also easy to work with you know yeah. being just be easy to work with <laughs> you know yeah. like like it's a, it's a list of boxes, and you got to check every one. Yeah, basically. you do. Because there's so many people. Like, the competitions is very, you know, it's 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 high. I mean, there's so many amazing musicians out here, out, everywhere, and and, and, pe- and so many hungry musicians. Like, people really want this stuff. So, you know, you got to show up and, 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 and just kick its ass, pretty much. Now, did I cut you off? Were you going to say you think the reason they hired you was actually... Yes. So, so what happened was I, we did that song, and then we did Who Knew, which, uh, let's see, do I have that? Yeah. Which was, you know. You know that, right? Yeah. Uh, so we got to that chorus, right? And then she was like, can you solo over that, you know? And so I was like, fuck yeah, man. This Twist is awesome. Twist my arm. I was like, are you kidding me? Solo? I get to solo? Because so, like, usually the auditions, it's like play the parts, play the record, and get the fuck out, you know? And so 
and so I soloed over it, and she 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 dug it. You know, she dug what I, I was doing, and she thought it was cool. And then um, we played Dear Mr. President, which at the time, especially you know, it was when Bush was in office, and it was a big political song. And it's a beautiful song, and I I know I somehow knew it was important to her. And uh-huh. so I, I took extra sort of care to that one when I was learning it. And what happened was they she was just watching. She wasn't singing. So they had a track they, where they played her vocal, but there was no click. And I remember I started out... And so then, and she came in, and I think I was a little ahead of her, so I sort of fell back into where she was, her pocket was, and yeah. I, I know she noticed that, I, I look, because I, because she, she saw it, and then, uh, and she heard it, and then we played it together, and and I think because it felt good, that was one thing, but also the thing with me and her is the before I played a single note, as soon as I walked in there and I I met her. And it's honestly like, uh, unlike any other relationship I've ever had in my life, where we shook hands, said hello, and we both knew that we were going to be friends for a long time. Like there was right. some instant connection that, that that me and her had. So initially, that was that was a great thing. It was just a good, warm feeling right off the bat. And then the playing happened, and then they hired me on the spot. They 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 had me wait outside. They let they finished the uh, the audition with a couple other people. And then they, her manager walked outside and goes, all right, mate, well, congratulations. We'll see you in a week in Budapest. I was like, wait, Nuts. wait, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, I think I got the gig. I was still playing with Robin Thicke at the time. So I had to, so yeah, I was on my, I was flying to DC to do the Robin Thicke gig. And on the way there, I was listening to the music, you know? And so in Soundcheck, I remember I was playing like... which is a pink song and he was like what song is that oh dude it's one of the coolest songs it's called uh i'm not dead it was the the title track off that uh that record and it's a total it's a total like uh it's a total rock rock jam it's like rock verse but then it gets to the chorus and I actually use my I, I've got a piezo pickup and I switch over to that and it's got this broken down awesome like yeah cool part and and so anyways I was playing that part and I remember Robin going don't no don't be playing pink songs uh, you know it's, it's sound check <laughs> man that's not cool and I was like oh sorry dude I'm like trying uh. to learn this shit so, anyways, I, I learned all the songs and went to Budapest, and we did the gig, and it was it was like literally 125,000 people. Um, it was this giant festival for uh, in Hero Square in Budapest, and, wow. uh, and the rest is history, man. It's it's been amazing. That has been amazing. Now you seem like obviously she is the superstar and the uh-huh. celebrity and 
has her band, but you seem like you're really part of the band. You're not just filling the lead guitar chair. Like you've sure. evolved. You're obviously friends with her. Uh, well, tell yeah. us more about your relationship with her. I know you probably call her Alicia. Alicia, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she, you know, the whole band actually that's there's been this. Our newest member is our bass player, and she's been there for twelve years. So the, wow. the whole band, and actually Jason, the keyboard player, he he's like the band leader when we're, you know when we're on the road. And Jay Jay's been there for like seventeen years, so that's he's wonderful. been there since like the like beginning of her, her you know her whole career. But yeah, man, you know like um, that's a staggering amount of like the newest member is twelve years. Yeah, in. It, that's it, stunning. It's wild because we're like a real band, like you know what I mean. Even though we're know we're hired musicians we're but we're we you know they they ask us for our input um quite a bit and and we're treated you know like we're a part of the whole thing it's not like hey just play just shut up and play your parts and and get the fuck out of here kind of a deal it's it's you know they and they really take care of us um and it's just it's just an amazing gig man and and alicia is just she's so awesome and like her i remember i think what did she say to me? Like, when we first started, she was like, man, I asked her, I was like, there's a solo on the record. I was like, you want to play? She goes, no, man, do you. Do do your <laughs> thing, you know? Right. And so she wants us, because she's such a badass, she wants us to just get up there and, and, and just be ourselves, you know, instead of fitting into this thing, you know? That's why she chose us. But um, but she's she's one of my best friends, man. I love her to death. And, uh, yeah, it's been it's been amazing. Tell us about some of your most memorable moments on stage over these last 14 years. Yeah, yeah, 14 years. Well, there was this one time when I first started playing with her. I've got a lot of memories, a lot of memories. Actually, that's how I met my wife. She was one of the dancers on that on that tour, that first tour. But um, wait, so, wait, wait, wait. So you meet you meet your wife on tour. She's one of the dancers. Uh-huh. Keeping it on the under for like a whole tour or something. Well, no, we we sure. didn't get together. Actually, the funny I literally proposed to her the first day I saw her because I she was just she's just so beautiful, right? And I was like, Holy shit, who is this chick? And she thought I was freaking crazy. And so but you asked her to marry you? Yeah, I mean there was drinking like, involved and you know, it was oh, yeah. yeah, you know, it was kind of <laughs> one of those. But What's her name again? Claire. And so, anyways, she uh, she thought I was I was fucking nuts. And but we ended up becoming really good friends. And then after they left the tour, we kept in touch. And then uh, I don't know, maybe it was like four or five months after after the the tour finished, we we ended up seeing each other. You know, because we just we kept in touch. And we were really close friends. And and now we've been married for ten years. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. And you have at least one daughter. Yeah, I've got a three-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Andy Ray. Yeah, she's amazing. So, so you were telling me yeah, about so, moments on stage or whatever. Yeah, so so Alicia or Paul came to me and was like, hey, you know, because we do all these sort of crazy arrangements for dance numbers and whatever and for the show. And Paul was like, hey, man, can, can you can you play some flamenco guitar? She wants you to do like this whole piece. And I was like, oh, fuck, man. I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> That's the correct answer, but I, I feel feel where you're going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nerves. So I, I, I went home and I just listened to a shit ton of flamenco music. And I came up with 
my version of whatever that was. It, you know, it was not authentic, but it was, you know. Some, some shit, and then I did some, like, some arpeggio nonsense, and, you know, and it was, and it turned into this. And it went into one of her songs. Uh, it went into, like, that song or whatever, there you go. And it, well, anyway, it scared the shit out of me because I, I, I didn't, I had no idea, um, you know, what to do. And it's just me on, on a nylon string guitar all by myself. And, you know, we're, this is the first time I'm playing arenas. I mean, I was literally shitting myself, but it ended up becoming like one of the... A really, not literally. <laughs> yeah, well, not literally, but... All right, just for the record. <laughs> yeah, not literally. <laughs> all right, That's only going. happened once. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's never happened. But... But yeah, you know, I I, I was, um, but I stepped up, and it was it was a really cool moment, you know, and I, and I was really proud of what I came up with, you know, and I thought it was a really cool moment in the set, and it was still, a lot of people still come up to me, and it was still a memorable thing uh, in the show, which was which was really cool. Um, but then there was yeah. other times, like we we did one tour, man. It was one of the coolest tours I think we ever did was the Funhouse tour, and we we did Babe, I'm gonna leave you. And I had this epic long guitar solo at the end. You know, it was like five or six minutes of just shredding chaos. You know, is that and, a wardrobe change for her or what? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's always okay. usually the typical. It's like, all right, she's gonna go off solo. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, I love um, that you get such a big role in the band. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty. It's it's amazing, man. I, I'm I, I'm really grateful that they they give me the opportunity to, to do that and and. Um, and it's a lot of fun, you know. And then the other thing that was really cool was we did um, Bohemian Rhapsody. And um, I remember the first time we played it on stage with all the production and the lights and everything, we had these giant, like, 40-foot clown things that, that that blew up out of nowhere. And I remember the first time in production rehearsals I was playing, and then, like, I, I just sort of, like, saw shadows behind me, and I looked around, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> it, like, scared the, scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Well, it's so, so interesting to be part of such a professional, huge band where there's so many different teams, and you got the stage team and the there's know, a lot pro- of moving the parts. production team. Yeah, yeah, and things just happen as if by magic around you, and that you weren't even told about. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty. Yeah, that stuff happens a lot, but I mean, they're always good about safety things. But the the other thing too, like uh, we're always changing stuff for the for the choreography as well. You know, there might be like. You know, we might have to do a bar of two or, you know, 12 bars of a vamp or, you know, something, some weird yeah. odd stuff to fit with the visual, which, you know, has its challenges and stuff, but it's, the end result's amazing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Of course, I have to ask you any memorable Spinal Tap moments in the last 14 years where shit went wonky? Oh, man. Um, well, one time it was... Uh, that we were doing that, babe. I'm gonna leave you, and like you know, I had the epic long guitar solo, and it gets to the end of the song, and I just like, I go to friggin' whale, and I throw my guitar up, and I'm like, and all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> and then and then and like another. I've got literally, I'm I'm like, 
75 feet in front of the stage on on the you know the ego walk at, you know at the b stage and i have to walk all the way back so i'm just kind of walking back like mother no sound no sound no sound Damn. and then i didn't have sound for almost almost two songs like something i don't know what happened with my rig something happened and then i um something with my pedal board i think it was some power issue oh, and, the worst feeling on earth yeah oh dude it was it was the worst um and then there was another time that was actually really cool not too long ago actually on this last tour we were playing an outdoor gig and um it was just me and her acoustic on the b stage and the b added, stage is at the end of the ramp out it's in at the, the end, middle of yeah. the crowd yeah so, so yeah. that's it's it's like you know there's like a the thrust and then at the end of the thrust is is the little you know little small stage where we'd go out and you know we'll typically yeah. do like an acoustic thing but we were playing and literally it just the heavens opened and it was like a monsoon it just like torrential downpour and we just kept playing and it was oh, so man and i got some some of the coolest photos i've ever seen but um my like guitar Prince, was Prince at the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was totally. It was, but it was, the, it was the rain was insane, man. And so, but um, and my guitar was drenched, but it was the coolest fucking thing, man. You're just glad you're on a wireless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shock hazard. Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> I've never. I can. Man, I think most of us have never played in with our guitar completely drenched in rain. That's a. Yeah. No, it was. It was. Uh, you kind of worried about your guitar at that point because it's, it's obviously something you care about, right? It's one of your yeah. best balls, or no, no, it was, it was, that was my my Taylor, my acoustic. Oh right. Um, but I mean, it was. I was after that song finished. We still had a couple more songs to do out there, but we actually we moved it back to the to the main stage where we were at least a little bit covered. And you lift up your Taylor and you pour the water out of it. Yeah, pretty, yeah, basically. And, <laughs> and uh, I handed it over to my tech, and you know, I got it over to him quick enough, so I I know like. I knew, like, if I got it over to him after the song, he could hand me another guitar and he could wipe it down, and it, 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 it was fine. So I wasn't too stressed out about it, you know. What a moment, man! Yeah. You have to tell me on your album, boldly going nowhere. Sure. What is this killer synth pedal on the song Friday or whatever pedal that is? Oh, you know what that is? That's the um, that's a line six. It's the harmonizer on the on the M9. Or it was either the M5 or M9, same thing basically. little pedal oh man oh, I, I think that right around then is that pedal just came out too and it was like oh dude this pedal's fucking awesome and so um i remember just sort of stumbling onto that sound and and i was just like oh fuck this is awesome man <laughs> and of course it's not just the sound it's what you're playing man the notes are so fat and juicy on there what your your solo is oh great. thanks man thank you and then, of course, speaking of other cool, out-of-the-ordinary sounds, this great cover of In the Air Tonight, great Phil Collins song. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, that is so cool, the talk box. Well, 
do you use? For uh, it, I think that one was the the Heil, the Dunlop Heil talk box. Yeah. Oh, like a legit talk box. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a fun song. I, I forgot about that. That was a fun song, man. It's been so long since I... Yeah. I've even I haven't even listened to that record in, in 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 a long time, and I probably should have done another record since then. But I've just been so damn busy. <laughs> well, it's funny how the years fly by. I think I remember when it came out. I'm like, that was ten years ago. I know, I damn. know, I know, man, I know. Yeah. It's but, a huge sound. As far as covering tunes, did how does one license a super huge mega hit like that? And man, so. The thing that's so weird, I thought the same thing when I did that song. I was like, "Well, I got to get it cleared, right?" So I did some research and I, I got, I guess it was his management's phone number, somebody affiliated with Phil Collins' phone number, and I called and I just left a message to say, "Hey, I'm my name is Justin Derrico. I'm putting out a record and I'm covering in the air tonight, and I just want to know what do I, what do I need to do, you know, to have clearance or whatever," and they just never got back to me, and so I was like, "Well." Fuck it. I'm just going to put it out. And, and if they come after me, then I'll, I'll take it off the record, you know, whatever. Nothing ever happened. And I think what happens with something like that is it's already in the system. And I think it just gets deducted and taken out and whatever. Just get, he gets he gets a piece of it. So it's almost like I, yeah. I, I think that's how it works. I, right, I, right. I don't really know. There's so many aspects of this business of how people get paid or don't get paid. Yeah. Uh, that I just don't even understand. It's so, oh, it's so complicated. I mean, we, we you've put 10,000 as an understatement, probably a million hours into playing guitar, but on the other side of the business is this whole other side of people that have put their million hours into the business side. Yeah, of figuring out how, how not to pay us. Exactly. <laughs> I Trying not to take it there, but yeah, exactly. It's uh, For us to try to get in there and really understand that side, well, we're we're in a weird position right now because like, you know, we the the, the streaming side of stuff, especially for for t- television, you know, like the voice gets tens of millions of streams on YouTube, and you know we're we're through the musicians union through local forty seven, and they we're, we we don't get any residuals. Like if if the show airs again, you know, uh, like yeah. reruns and stuff, we get residuals from that if it airs on television but if it airs on youtube or streams on youtube or whatever all the online streaming stuff we don't get any residuals for i but, never thought about that but all like sag and AFTRA, like you know the directors and producers and all, like they they all get residuals for all that stuff for youtube for youtube but not the musicians but not the musicians and they've the union's gone after them and 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 to all the major net it's not nbc it's every network and they've gone after them. They've said to them, "Hey, what what's going on? Why won't you guys do that?" And their amp answer was simply was because we don't want to. Oh my God! Can you believe that? Because this we is don't. This pissing me off. I know. I know. I don't want to. Sorry, I don't mean to take <laughs> to, to veer off. <laughs> no, we can but go back it's, to happy it's something land. that ideally will probably will change ultimately as we hope. YouTube I mean, be, YouTube gradually and replaces television. You know. Yeah. <laughs> this kind of the internet. So, yeah, you're right. We don't know for sure, but I like to think that eventually chip away at that. Yeah. I mean, look, the thing is, they take care of us. We've been, NBC's been so good to us, and and, and this gig has been incredible. So it's it's not yeah. a dig towards them. It's more of the, the industry. 
Yeah. Um, and 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 it's not even necessarily just us. It's the people who show up on the show that are is a violin player or the sax player or whoever extras that come on. And maybe that's the, you know, maybe they've come on twice a season and you know. That, yeah. You know, and they made five hundred dollars, and then there's you know five hundred dollars from from the residuals that they should have gotten. That's half their income. You know, so so that's that's like uh you know, it's it's. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I never knew about that. So you're yeah, you're right up there, man, and in, in the heart of it. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Can you real quickly? I think we heard the brown eye clean. Did we have we heard it dirty yet? Or yeah. Uh, no. No. Actually, no. Hey, can you? Uh, I'd love to hear like that brown eye back and forth with the Bogner. Are those two? Yeah. You get okay. The two modern fire breathing amps. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and what's it like to A B? They're they're different, you know. Um, so that's 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 the Bogner. Here, I'll do something like. So that's the Bogner, and I know there's a little delay on there, but um, and then cool here's riff, the, brother. Here's the the. Thanks, I wrote that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish. And then here's the brown eye with the dirty. They're pretty similar. Uh, I've got them set up kind of similar. Yeah. Because um, I've got the, the, the brown eye set up as a global on my board. So, like, if if everything stops working, I could hit the, the same switch that it's on. It'll go to a dirty amp, and that, that's, that'll be the amp that I could get through the rest of the night with. Um, Here comes Shiva. I mean, so the brown eyes actually, I need to set the levels a little bit better, but the brown eyes a little louder than the yeah. Shiva. But um, I think the Shiva's just got a it's a little darker. Um, yeah. Which I think I like. I know it sounds funny, but I actually like it for the lead stuff, especially the less ball. Wait, so this is the Shiva? Yeah, this is the Shiva. And then here's the brown eye, which is a little louder, so it's a little bit brighter. Yeah. Um, and then here's the Marshall. It's funny. I got these three amps, and they're almost like set up like almost like the same. But the thing with the Friedman that I, I use the most is the clean. Like that's pretty much yeah. my clean because the Bogner has a great clean sound, but it breaks up. Um, a little too much so and right. you know the, the Bogner for so long was just my only amp that I used for years and years but I always every time I'd go to the clean I always had a hard time when I when I have a hard switch I couldn't you know dial it back quick enough so I had Dave right. do a little mod on the Friedman to give it a little bit more headroom to, to sort of clean it up um, Dave Friedman yeah Dave Friedman who built my rig rad veteran Oh hey, that's a that's a Majacamo uh, thing we did. <laughs> that's pretty. Kind of reminds me a little bit of 
Just for a second, I thought of. Now I'm too. I'm kind of distorted. Wait. Ah, oh, what is that? I'm showing my rush. Oh, nice, dude. A little bit of Rush. What is that oh. called? Brune's Bane or something? Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know. I love Rush, but I mean, I, I never got too yeah. deep into him. But but that's... Uh, that's yeah, I mean, so... We... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, that's what so, I find so cool about you, Jude, is that you're right. so... Uh, your knowledge is so vast of, of, of just music in general, but like of bands and uh. the deep tracks and... And just you—you you know a lot of shit, man. It's pretty amazing. Thanks, jack of all trades, man. <laughs> Master of no. no. Uh, I don't know, man. I think you're. Well, they—they they say that charm is that quality in others that makes us feel better about ourselves, and <laughs> and you certainly have that, man. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> it must be a pleasure to be in a band with you. I'm well, really happy know, for, for I appreciate Pink and that. everyone else. We have fun, you know. We—I like to drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's great. But uh, I was just gonna say, like, so I can shut up if if I'm t- talking oh. too much. No, no, no. Um, I want to keep you here all day. But the um, the cool thing that I've been doing a lot lately is I got these these vertex things. I've got the um, the steel string. Steel string clean drive. Mark yeah. Two. So this is just a little verb and delay on the clean sound, right? And then you add the the, the steel string. Not a yeah. whole lot of difference, but it's got a little bit of compression, you know. So it's like it's real nice for the. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so sweet. It's got that John Mayer thing, you know. So, but so I got that, which is really fun. It's been very useful on the voice because a lot of times I'm I'm using a lot of clean sounds on the voice, um, and this is, which is cool. But then I've also got the clean boost, so I'll turn off that and I'll put the vertex clean boost, which is nice. So here's just, right, and then if I put the boost on, very subtle. Which is great, yeah. but it just gives it a little bit of volume, and, and it's, you know. Yeah, that's a cool pedal. Anyways. Nice. Those are my latest my, my yeah. latest cool finds, you know. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, anyway, I can't thank you enough for sitting here and talking about your life and playing so much guitar and having your full-on nasa rig here yeah <laughs> full-on spacex rig i appreciate it jude i i just i appreciate you just even asking me it's an honor man it's it's so cool to uh this podcast is really cool man like there's so many amazing musicians and and idols and people that you've had on here and people i know and but um people i don't know who have been you've turned me on to which it's it's such a hmm an honor to be, you know, oh. thought of in, in, in that. So thank you. Oh, I really, of course. Thank really you. I mean, it. you've been on the list since day one. It's just, you know, it's five years later. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And uh, <laughs> usually you're off across the globe or something, so it's just cool to uh, finally hook it up, man. Yeah, yeah man. Always. 
anything else you wanted to mention? I know you got your master class on. Yeah, so I got my master class with uh, JTCGuitar.com, and I did a collaboration solo with with uh, some of the badass guitar players uh, on that, which which is was so much fun. And then uh, there's a uh, you know there's a bunch of other stuff up up on that site that I've done in the past. But another thing that's really cool. Um, I mentioned my friend Corey Britz earlier, and, and um, he's actually the guy I co-wrote my almost pretty, pretty much my whole record with. Um, but he's got a solo project coming out June fifth. Um, so go to Spotify cool. and pre-save that if if you can. Um, Great. And uh, yeah, it's something I worked on with him. It was a lot of fun. So fantastic. What's the best way for people to reach you? Is it the best way is probably Instagram. Right, right. I'm pretty active cool. on Instagram. So remind I'm me the, of what. It's uh, the real Justin Derrico. Gotcha. Yeah. Then, well, I mean, uh, in Instagram, I think, has changed the game completely. I mean, or I mean, the, yeah. it was like YouTube and then, you know, Twitter is what it is. But Instagram with, with all the guitar players and stuff or musicians yeah. in general. But there's so many amazing freaking players out there. I'm just like, damn, I'm just, I'm just like trying to keep up with these fuckers. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're keeping up pretty well, man. All right. Play us out, brother. Uh, (laughs) that's so cool I love that so you're are you playing what about us no it's uh um it it hurts to be human, which I think right now is 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 um, applicable. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. Plotting over here. Uh, that was beautiful. And considering what the world is dealing with, especially yeah. our country, that song, oh. oh man, that just hits me in the heart. That's just beautiful. Yeah, uh, well, I wish I wrote it. <laughs> do, you, do you get to play that harmonic part and stuff on no, stage? No, actually, I, I mean, so that that song, I'm actually, I, I it's a... My part's very simple. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. like, I'm, I was actually trying to play the vocal melody. Yeah. But, but, um, that, that part, it's basically... I think I can't remember the, the. Wait, I can't remember. Something like that. But the um, it's such a beautiful song. Like I love that. Such a beautiful melody, man. I mean, it's just that pentatonic. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. love it. You know. Well, it just what a feeling to be playing that in a big arena with like 
the fans who know every single word and are just like singing, oh, dude. This, you know, I mean, singing the lyrics and swaying. This, this last this last tour we did, it was it, um, real quick, and I'll ra- I'll wrap it up. But that last tour we did was so amazing. It was all um, in Europe. It was just for uh, two months straight, all stadiums, and we did two, we did two nights, and it was sold out. We did two nights, and I'd never done stadiums, not like that. Um, but we did two sold out nights at Wembley Arena. It was seventy five thousand people a night, and it was the most magical fucking experience I've ever had. It, it, you know, just looking out, seeing all those people, and and everybody together enjoying their life in that moment. It, it was just, it's it, that's a beautiful thing. That's what yeah. I love. You know? Hearing them sing back to you guys must be oh, intense. Yeah, it's amazing, <laughs> but. Well, congratulations, man. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Jude. Incredible. I really appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Justin, you rock, man. Keep it alive to you, 95. No, the time is safe.